Hey there, welcome to another edition of Close to the Vest. My name is Arthur Ettinger, and this is going to be an awesome podcast. I am really lucky to have in the awesome studio, which is not a studio, but in fact, a restaurant, LB Social. I am here with Dean Miller and Matt Heisiger uh, of LB Social. Uh, this is LB Social today, and we are uh, going to pivot a little bit. Uh, in the past, we have had a lot of moms and uh, ex-wives talking about being single moms and empowered moms and what it's like to have gone through the divorce process. And so I thought we should shake it up and bring in some dads, of course, dads who have gone through the divorce process and dads who are um, who are, have who own their own business and can share uh, their experiences. So guys, uh, thanks so much for having me, uh, Matt. Thanks so much for allowing us to do this here. Uh, Dean, thank Anytime. you so much. Yeah, thank you. Looking forward to it. So let's just like, uh, I want to just acknowledge both of you. Um, I want to acknowledge you, Matt. You, in this time of COVID, um, I really respect what you have done for the community here on Long Island, how you have pivoted um, when a lot of businesses uh, in the hospitality industry have been completely decimated, uh, you have uh, reinvented yourself here. Uh, you were awesome to begin with before COVID, and you have embraced the community. You've given back, and I think as a result, they've come and given back to you. So uh, kudos to you. Thank you. Um, and so, Dean, you are... Uh, really why I'm here. You produce my podcast. Uh, you're a rock star real estate guy. And I know you have your own podcast, Opportunity yep. Knocks. Thank you very much. Um, and you've made my, uh, you know, dream as, as the pandemic hit with this podcast a reality. So uh, I thank you. You have been the greatest guinea pig we could have for the launch <laughs> of a new business. And I, I can't thank you enough for doing it and allowing me to be part, part of your show. Uh, it's been an honor to work with you. We launched the business beacon back in January, uh, officially, but you started producing with us a couple months before and you and Christina, your other half, Christina Shaw sit in the corner over there, shout out to her and a small handful of people have kind of inspired us to really build this into something special. And you've been the poster child for how to do this. So I can't thank you enough for all that you've done for us. Awesome. Well, I, I look forward to continuing to grow with you without a doubt. So let's just like jump in, you know, I've already rolled up my sleeves. So uh, let's talk about being uh, a dad and a husband and transforming to going through the divorce process and having to not only raise children um, and also at the same time, dealing with managing a small business, because that's a lot of buckets at once to, to, juggle in the air. So Matt, if I can just uh, have you talk about that. What, what, what was it like going through the process and also having to run a small business of your own? Well, let me give you a little background first. Um, my divorce occurred in 2010, which at the time I owned a business in Huntington. I only came to Long Beach in 2015. And actually what my divorce did was it Again, when you talk about reinvention, um, I had sold my business back in 2010 um, to go through the process. Maybe that doesn't fit into the motif, but 
uh, from 2011 to 2014, um, I had taken a step back. I had basically removed myself from the small business operation, and I actually joined a large corporation, which gave me more of a Monday to Friday um, schedule, uh, very little weekends, very little nights, um, which enabled me to really spend time with my children because mm -hmm. let's rewind now. Um, you know, son was born in 1998, daughter was born in 2001. Um, I bought a business in 2003. And from 2003 to 2010, I basically really didn't, I really wasn't, I mean, I was there, right. but I really wasn't there. Um, you know, restaurant business is very time consuming. Um, early mornings, late nights, uh, five, six, seven days a week, always on call. Um, in 2015, let's fast forward now back to 2015 when I came to Long Beach to this space. Um, did so when my children were aging and getting older, going to college. And that, that's what enabled me to get back into the small business. Sure. How about yourself, Dean? Mine's a little different. I was, uh, so my divorce finalized somewhere around 2001. Uh, I had been married nine and a half years before we filed. Uh, and I was, I would say three years into my real estate career. I had done 10 years, almost 10 years in the corporate world, working for one of the big credit card companies, um, and left that to get into real estate, to spend more time with, with the family. And then things started to fall apart at the end. So at that point, when we were going through the divorce, uh, my kids were approximately 10 and seven. Uh, my son was 10, my daughter seven. I had a very bitter battle. Um, and it lasted almost three and a half years from beginning to end. Unfortunately, her attorney had gotten disbarred during the process and we had to start all over again. So it, it was challenging for me. And I was early in my real Thanks. estate career and I was just starting to establish myself. You know, I had had success in the first, first six months in real estate. You don't, most people don't do anything. I was, I was the poster child for that. But months six through 18, my first full year, I was doing really well. Uh, and then here I am three and a half, four years into, into this new career, doing well, churning a lot of business. I had incorporated about a year and a half before, which is one of the many things that most real estate agents should do right. from a, a, a tax standpoint. Um, and I was challenged where they were going to take my corporation. They were going to go after my real estate license. Uh, I went two, three months without seeing my kids and having private investigators follow me, my every move and attorneys saying, don't work at all because whatever you, you know, I, I made an offer early on in my divorce and it was poo-pooed, um, which I, I think my ex probably regrets shortly after it all happened. Mm -hmm. um, I made a very fair and honest offer to do the right thing. And like I said, it was very contentious and it was a lot of problems. And the kids, we, we went through, you know, I know some of your guests, we went through forensic accountants, forensic psychologists, forensic this and that, and you, you name it. They, everybody had their head in places that I didn't want them to be. Uh, and it was challenging. But from a business standpoint, I did slow down because it, it mentally drained me. It emotionally was trying, trying to tear me down. Um, and I put my entire career on hold for a good, I would say a good 10 to 12 months where I finished off the business that I had and let it go. And I was just at that point where I was starting to bring on other people to work with me. And I gave them all permission to go do their own thing because I would have become a hindrance to each of them. Uh, it, was, it was challenging. You know, it was the bottom of the barrel for me. And is there, and I, this is a question for both of you guys. Um, is there something 
for the audience listening in? Is there something that you would tell them that, you know, you would have done differently uh, in the process um, or now looking back years later and you're both extremely successful and happy and remarried, what you would do during that process that maybe you either did or did not do and uh, would change? It's hard to say for me because, like I said, there, there was no agreement in my divorce. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and place all the blame on my ex. Uh, but it, it's, it's hard to say. You know, there was, there was a lot of money on the table. There was a lot of opportunity in the future that was being dragged backwards as a result of it. Uh, the kids were used as pawns, um, which I still to this day think had an impact on, on at least one, if not both of them, in some way, shape, or form. So it's hard for me to say what could we have done preventive, pre- to be preventative about, uh, from all the hostility. Uh, it was tough. It was, you know, shelter yourself as much as you can. Try to protect those who you love and who are closest to. Uh, and learn to deflect a lot. And I know that's, I'm glad that you do this show because I'm learning more and more that my divorce was more the exception than the norm. And I'm very appreciative of that for the sake of society. Uh, but it was it was challenging. I don't know what advice I could give other than, uh, here, here's the one piece of advice I got from my dad when I was at the worst. Because after I'd gotten thrown out of my house and removed from the house by, by the judge and they said, you know, you've got to move on. I lived in the basement at my parents' house. And, you know, at that point in my life, massive depression, drinking in the basement, couldn't go to work. My dad came downstairs one day and I was chain smoking cigarettes. And he says, let me give you one piece of advice. Don't ever forget it. I said, what's that? He goes, every day you wake up, prepare for the absolute worst case scenario. It'll make you the most optimistic person in the world because when it does happen, you're prepared for it. And if it doesn't, the day's a win. Right. And that was, and I used that piece of advice in almost every business aspect of my life now and my, and my personal life. I tell my kids all the time, you know, my daughter was blessed to grow up at a time where uh, uh, I was around some great people and the word can't is no longer allowed to be used in my house. Anything is possible. We preach that every day. And I do believe every day getting up saying, what's the worst thing that happened? My feet touched the ground. It's already a victory. I love it. Yeah. How about you, Matt? My situation was the, 180 degree opposite of what Dean I think that's just part expressed. of why you and I get along because we come from such opposite ends with this. <laughs> my, my situation was a completely amicable split. I mean, of course, like any divorce, there was a few contentious moments. Um, I basically just said here, take it. Um, my attorney actually was upset with me and pressured me. Um, she wanted me to, pursue more of a, my, my ex-wife is a teacher, um, wanted me to pursue the, the retirement plan. No, thank you. Basically it was, here's the deal. I gave a list of four things that I wanted, which were pretty quickly agreed to. And, uh, it was a very easy process. Um, I probably became closer to my kids during the process. Cause I was spending a lot more time with them. Like I said, my my career, my career move shifted into a corporate situation. Now I was home nights, I was home weekends, and I was spending really good quality time with my kids. So my relationship with my kids blossomed and flourished and, and strengthened during the craziest times. Um, you know, I remember the first night that, uh, again, basement apartment, but, you know, a rental near the kids know down the road mile down the road and I remember my daughter walked in was like so happy to be in 
dad's apartment, you know, sure. and we set up an air mattress and the air mattress was exploding and the landlord upstairs is yelling at us to keep it down. And now my daughter's scared that we have to move out. And, you know, and we took this, this crazy time and turned it into a fun period. And then that is so key. I can't tell you how many times I hear stories and I've been through it myself and I would sit and lament about, Oh, look at this place. And, and it doesn't matter the four walls. Yeah. It does not matter. It matters. You know, in the first room I had for my young, my older son, he was really little when we split and I cried like it was a closet. Mm -hmm. And my mom used to say to me, and this is what I do for a living. Like he doesn't care. He just wants to be with you. Yep. You know, and that's really a takeaway, I think, for the audience. They really need to, no matter what your situation, rich, poor, you know, it's it's the experiences that you provide to your children. Mm -hmm. You know, and listen, yeah, in every divorce, you have a situation if there's a wealthy spouse who's, you know, um, going to buy, try to buy the children. Uh, yeah, there's certain mileage that you can get out of that. But at the end of the day, the kids really are not going to care. In the long run. It's amazing how resilient the kids are and how much they pick up on, whether it be positive or negative. And I, I learned that the hard way as well, going through this with mine. You know, when, when my divorce was finalized, my kids were actually split up. My son, my son came to live with me and my daughter went to live with my ex. Um, and prior, you know, prior to that, I was ready to buy a place down here in Long Beach. And I never forget the judge's clerk called me the day that I was ready to sign a contract. She said, Mr. Miller, I just want to give you a piece of advice. You've always made it clear to me that if the kids were with you, you wouldn't live in Long Beach. You'd live up where you were in Herricks or Garden City, something like that. And she says, I can almost guarantee you off the record that you're getting one, if not both of your children. So I lost a few bucks on a, on a lost down payment, but I, I ended up not buying that condo. And when the divorce was done, my son came to live with me. It killed me to see the two of them split up. Sure. But at that time, it was the best thing for them because they no longer had to see all that hostility. Huh. Yeah. So, I, so Matt, you tell me when you guys split, you guys were obviously, from what you're telling me, you guys got along. She furnished my apartment. It's amazing. And then she went out, she went to Kohl's or Target, whatever. She bought all my pots and pans. And, and so I don't, like that's not normally the, those are not the cases I see. I just see the high conflict and that's really a nice breath of fresh air. And what can you tell that person who is knee deep in the shit right now? Mm -hmm. And what, you know, what can you tell that person who maybe is going through the real acrimony? You know, what advice do you have for them? Um, I mean, it's kind of this, yeah, I'll give them the same advice that I give my friends that are, you know, either thinking about going through the process or in the, or in the throes of it, you know, in the end, and again, maybe high net worth situations are different, but in the end, you're going to get what you're going to get. Um, you're going to lose some money no matter what, right? Money. Okay. You know, I was what, 40 years old. 39 years old, had you know, 20, 30, 40 years ahead of me as far as, you know, working and earning, you know, take it, move on. Hopefully everybody, you know, walks out of it good and happy. I mean, look, you know, personally speaking, my mother's going to be 80 years old. She'll be 79 this year. She'll be 80 next year. I mean, she's been holding on to anger for 50 years, right? You know, I mean, you know, 
where's that going to get you? Yeah, sure. Right? I mean, you know, situations happen. You know, as a follow-up to what Dean's father taught him, my grandfather taught me when I was a little kid that every day is a good day, just some are better than others. You know, so, you know, again, when you, when you kind of look at, you know, things in that perspective, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're going to have bad days. Okay. But the advice that I would give is, you know, just take your lumps. Um, try to separate the emotional from it. Certainly don't ever let the children, uh, you know, depending on the age of the children, but not really so much. But, you know, because little kids, like Dean said, they're more resilient than teenagers, sure. right? So, you know, depending on what ages your, your, you know, your children are, if there are children involved, um, you know. I don't know any kid that ever begged and asked to be brought into the world, right? So, you know, the whole thing is just, you know, to, to reassure them of, of the love that both parents have for them and treat them with kindness and fairness and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. That's it. And like you said, just give them the time they need because sure. ultimately that's, that's the only, that's the only thing kids need is time. And, and I don't mean just be in the same room with them, but be present. You know, listen to them. If they have problems, listen to them. Talk to them. Be realistic. I, you know, I've raised all my kids. I, I got remarried. I have a had a stepson who I just finished an adult adoption with in his in his mid twenties, awesome. uh, and my my wife and I have been together twenty years, married fourteen, uh, and we've got we've got a beautiful twelve year old girl. I'll cover Matt. Take your call. Thanks. <laughs> uh, um, you know, and, and but I I look back on the time with with my kids. And I say my daughter and I, my daughter lived with my ex for a couple of those years. And, I, you know, the one thing I did to try to end this earlier is I said, I'll overpay on alimony and child support and all the other stuff. And I was brought back to court three times because she wanted more money and we split the kids. Um, and every time we went back and I said, OK, I'll pay more. I'll pay. Just get it over with. Move on. Um, you know, here we are now to 2021. I haven't heard from my ex-wife. I think it's I think it's going on seven years now when I made the final payment to her was the last time I've ever heard from her. And my daughter, who's 27, is almost the same amount of time. Uh, but I, I give my kids all the time they want. My oldest guy decided to take sides with my ex, and he doesn't spend much time around me anymore. He's, in, he's a grown man. He's 30 years old. He made a decision. I'm okay with that. But he understands just like my, all my other kids know. Anything you need from me, it all starts with time. Tell me what you need. Let's put the time into it and make it work. And I think that's the most important thing you can give the kids is, is – the time to be present and never vent in front of them. Yeah. Oh, that is so true. I, people don't realize how like the walls have ears. Yeah. And even if you think the kids are not earshot, they're always, they hear they everything hear because everything. they can, they're like, they're yeah. like dogs. They can and, sense right. that stress and that tension. Yeah. They see body language. Um, so talk to me about the blended family. Okay. And, and I know, so you have a stepson. Okay. What was it? What's it like for you? You know, there's to me, it should be the easiest job. And a lot it of people be. don't see yeah. that. And there's a, there, it, it can take a lot of years. It can also ruin a relationship. Yep. So talk to me about that. It had, its, it had its moments, you know, my, my relationship with, with Evan, who, like I said, is one of my children, you know, we didn't, he didn't change his last name and out of respect to him and his reasons, I was a hundred percent supportive of that. Uh, but Evan, Evan is child number three in the pecking order in, in my family. Uh, he's 20, uh, he'll be 25, Paige will be 26 and yeah, juniors, junior turned 30 last year. Um, when it first happened, it was tough. Um, you know, my, my wife 
my girlfriend at the time moved in with me after a couple months. Uh, uh, my son was living with me. He came from a world where he wanted to live with me because I spent more time trying to be friendly with him than being a father to him and a little too much. And he took advantage of it. And, and Denise to her, you know, thank God for her caught onto it and pointed a lot of it out to me. And over the next couple of years, Dean decided he no longer wanted to live with us. He wanted to go out with his mom because there were rules in the house and it was tough. And we had Evan who was six at the time in the house with us. So you got a six and an 11 year old roughly. Um, and you know, they, they had influence over each other. Uh, it was challenging. And when Paige would come to visit on, you know, every other weekend, like, like she did, uh, religiously, we'd drive, we'd drive 45 minutes out East to pick her up, bring her back to where we lived and bring her back on Sunday and made the most of it. She got along great. Um, you know, my, my wife was, my wife has been a, an exceptional mother to her technically stepdaughter. Um, and Paige refers to Denise as mom, you know, which, which makes me happy. And halfway through that time, the kids flip-flopped. My daughter was going to boarding school because my ex wanted her to go to boarding school. She didn't want to live at home with her. I'm not going to fight it. I wrote the checks to boarding school in addition to everything else I was doing without blinking an eye. This is what's in the best interest of the child. And the beauty of it was it gave me more chances to go see her. Um, so, you know, I drive out to the North shore an hour, um, to go see her play softball or ride a horse just to spend an hour there. So she could see me, even if I couldn't get to her cause she was doing school activities, I could watch. Um, and she knew I was there and that strengthened our relationship. Um, it took some time with, with Evan who I'll, will for the sake of keeping it a little bit more organized, we'll refer to him as my stepson at the time. Um, you know, he had his challenges too. You, you know, the, you're not my dad comments came up, came up a lot. Um, I'm closer to that kid today than I, than most people around me. You know, I respect his every move, um, and vice versa. So he's, we're, we're good for each other. We've learned a lot from our failures as mine as a dad, his as a son, let's call it. Um, and I, you know, that's another one of the many things I tell, tell my kids is you'll, you'll always learn from your failures. So you don't necessarily have to run from them. Um, and we get along great. You know, we were talking the other night and he's, he works in the options trading business and he's making money. And I, I, I'm always looking for his mistakes so I could learn from them. Uh, he tries to hide them and only talks about his successes, but we both know they're there and we got a great relationship. And then the little one came along a little over 12 years ago. Uh, and she's brought, she's brought myself. Evan, my daughter Paige, and my wife closer together than anything else. I she's she's the glue that brought it all together for us. Well, it would be great if Junior was was around, but like I I tell everybody, I don't feel bad. He's a he's a grown man. He made a choice, and if he changes his mind and wants to come around, the doors are always open for him. Wow, that's that's tough stuff. I'm really sorry, man. It listen, and and I appreciate it, but I tell, but like I tell people all the time, he's a man. He made a decision. It's his choice. I as, as a man, I respect it. I don't have to like it, but I respect the fact that he made the decision. And like I, I joke with my wife, I said, if the kid came along tomorrow and said, I need a kidney, guess what? Cut me open. That's that, you know, he's always going to be my, my son, whether he wants a relationship with me or not. That's a hundred percent on him at this point. You know, I see a lot of this and, and sometimes, and it's hard because the system a lot of times is not equipped to deal with estrangement and alienation they have certain things to put in place but uh, ultimately you know a judge may throw up their hands because they're frustrated yep. they can't fix a problem and I say to my clients you know and so I would say to you give it some time 
you know, and he's still very young. Yeah. And, you you know, don't be surprised if one day he just picks up the phone and say, hey, dad, I fucked up and I love you. And It's a very different world. You know, I, I was a dad at 21, so I was still a child and not afraid to admit it. And I'm, I'm not one to, blab, to bash the next, the following generations at all. I believe they're just a byproduct of their parents and the parents need to take more responsibility uh, for the, the way that the kids are raised. So you know, millennial bashers, I just look at mom and dad and say, well, it's your fault. You have no right to complain. You raised them. Uh, but I, I look at a situation like his and I say, it's over, over time, if it evolves and it changes, usually it takes tragedy or something horrible to happen. We, you know, the only guarantee we have in life is death. My parents are both still around. Um, you know, is, is that the thing that triggers the re the rebuilding of a broken relationship? Who knows? You know, my dad got sick, um, little over a year ago. We thought, we thought he was on minutes to live uh, and here he is still kicking. And my son came down to Florida and was there for about 18 hours before the issues he decided to bring up. And I said, it's not the right time or place. And fortunately his cousin, who's a year older than him stepped in and said, okay, it's time for you to go back home his priority wasn't the same as mine was. And as two grown adults, we don't have to share a room if we don't have the same priorities. It's what it is. I listen, like I said to you, I'm lucky to be alive every day. So I smile. Are there regrets? Of course there always will. Be. I try not to live in the regret. Yeah. Awesome advice. So Matt, how about yourself? So yeah, let's cheer this yeah. up a little bit. I mean, let's <laughs> I was to say, so let, let me give you the, the, <laughs> yeah. the glass is half full approach to this Please. right now. Okay. So again, Complete 180 degree. Um, two kids, well, so remarried in. Don't get mad at me, honey, if I forget this. It, I'm, I'm actually. It was either 2017 with my toes under the table. or 2018. I'm trying to think. I think it was 17, but it might have been 18. It's all good. If she's listening to this, I'm out. in big trouble. Yeah, we might need to edit this. <laughs> I think it'll be four years this year, right? So that would be uh, 17. So 9, 24, 17. Okay, but, you know, again, dated from basically 2011 to 2017. My uh, my wife, my current wife, was actually my high school sweetheart, who we reconnected down the road at a high school reunion. Um, my two kids, her two kids, I have two wonderful stepsons. One is 26, one is 29. My wife had her children when... Uh, my wife had her children when she was very young. I came home my in between my sophomore and junior year of college, knocked on her door, said, hi, Mrs. Chalice, I'm here to see Karen. She said, that's great, Matt. You're too late. Karen's engaged. I said, oh. So that was 1987. Okay. Um, so now she had her children very young, just yep. like you. I think she was 23 when she had CJ and 26 or 27 when she had Paul. Um, Paul, the younger one just had their first child. So technically I'm a grandfather. Um, Congrats. thank you. And, uh, you know, and my son Max is 22 and my daughter's 19. So we have four children within a 10 year period. If I tell you that each one of our children, like sometimes we just look at them and wonder, like, are they even related? Because my son and daughter are very different than her two children. Her two sons are very different. But yet the four of them, you know, again, talk about a very different situation. So when Karen and I started dating, her two boys 
had went to live with with their dad and my two kids were living with their mom so it was like party time usa for us we had no kids i mean you know everybody would come and visit but we had no full timers right so it was like you know we it didn't matter whether it was tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday i mean we were doing whatever needed to be done um and when so and when your kids when you married, I know they're a, a, a little bit older, you know, it gets, you know, there's hair on it more when you have little kids, mm-hmm. but there's still issues because it's not, that's not my mom. It's not my dad. What was it like when you guys, was, you know, you're getting married? Zero issues. Wow. Zero issues. We've got my ex, my ex, my ex wife. I got to keep talking to Dean. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, boring wah, for the wah. show. I, I, may, but, I'm excited listening to you. Cause I'm like, there is a light. I was going to say, I'm, maybe this is boring for the show, but maybe yeah. this no, will also this create awesome. some hope for other people. Yeah, exactly. But my ex wife got married very quickly to again, a, a great guy who my kids treat respect and care for and love very much. So, um, and I don't know. It just, it was, maybe we had a very unique situation, but it was, uh, and still is just very easy, you know, blended, very easy. Everybody gets along. Now everybody can't wait to come and see baby Vince, you know, awesome. you know, do your That's kids, great. do your kids or do your wife's kids ever say, hey, you know, and listen, maybe they're just, they're living their lives and, you know, maybe as they get older, they they would recognize this more, but, it is really complicated mm-hmm. to navigate a divorce, even when it's amicable. Okay. Uh, there's just so many issues. Do your kids, uh, all four of them, do they say, Hey, thanks for doing it the right way that you know, you know, respecting my mom and do they ever like, and it's okay if they don't, you know, because maybe this is, this is all they ever know, mm-hmm. you know? And if that's all they ever know, then, God bless you and your ex and, mm-hmm. and your wife, you know, but do they ever say, Hey, thanks for doing it this way. Or, um, I wish you had, how come you're not angry at mom? You know, I I'm just asking and it's it could be. No, no, I don't think anybody's ever said thanks, but I mean, we will and have done, you know, blended family dinners for holidays. Awesome. I mean, you know, my ex-wife and her husband have come to our house for holidays and we've gone to their house for holidays and birthday parties and graduation That's parties great. and we throw things together. And I mean, we were planning, we were in the throes of planning my son's bar mitzvah in the throes of a divorce um, and still figured it out. Made it work. That's great. Yeah. It's good problems to have. I, and listen, I've heard the horror stories about the bar mitzvah. You know, I've heard about like, uh, I remember <clears throat> working in, on a case and there was, it was a religious family and the son was actually getting married and the father wasn't going to be invited for a host of different reasons. And he got a hold of the invite and made a photocopy. And next thing you know, there's 450 people that were not on the uh, guest list. You know, and it's like polar opposite. I, uh, I really commend you, you know, and even if you were amicable, it's, you still have to compartmentalize certain feelings and emotional emotions for the sake of the kids. 
And, uh, you know, that has to be the main priority for uh, people going through it. Okay. You got to put your game face on for your kids, uh, whether you like it or not. And putting, you know, both of you put your careers on hold and made a choice that my kids come first. And if you don't have your own business, then you obviously can't do that. You still have to go to work, Mm -hmm. but you still have to figure it out. So you're not bashing that other person uh, on the, you know, the downtime when you're at home, sitting on the couch, calling everybody who's going to listen and even those people that don't want to listen, you know, so kudos to both of you. You know what? I mean, you're, you're going to be connected with this person, assuming that you have children together. If you don't have children, it's a very easy situation. You go your way, I'll go mine, life goes on, right? If you're going to have, when there's children involved, right? I mean, you know, there's going to be life events, right? There's going to be weddings. Yep. There's going to be <coughs> birthdays. There's going to be anniversaries. There's going to be funerals, right? And you're going to be with this person, you know? So it certainly makes it easier if everybody could just figure it out somehow, Amen. you know? I mean, there's, there's always going to be situations that arise and there's always going to be, you know, bad situations. But even through the bad situations, getting back to what Dean said, I mean, find the good yep. and put everything to the side for the hour, two, five hours that you're going to be or a weekend or whatever the situation is and make it work That's for everybody. It. So true. So now let's talk, let's pivot a little bit and talk about you both now happily married. Yes, sir. You both uh, work very hard. And so, and having gone through it already, and, you know, how have you been able to strike the balance of running your own business and businesses? Restaurant business is, you know, brutal brutal before a pandemic. And now it's, you know, brutal. Brutal. How are you able to do that and also keep that? other person happy and that relationship, you know, strong. Ask constantly. You know, my, my wife is, is the most supportive human being I've ever met. Um, anything I've ever wanted to do, she's encouraged me to do it. If she sees me hanging over the edge, she's got, she's got the safety line ready to go, whether I ask for it or not. Um, she's also not afraid to kick me in the ass. Um, and I respect and appreciate her more for that. And she'll never tell me not to do anything because like I said earlier, she, she's heard me preach to the kids. Don't ever use the word can't uh, tell me I can't do something. It's the only thing in life I now want to accomplish. You know, it's, it's that jackass personality that I have, but we get along so well because her, our personalities are so similar, but our personality types are complete opposite. She loves the spot. I don't want to say she loves the spotlight, but she loves to talk. She's, always chatting, always catching up with people. Me, I could live in a world of solitude and speak only when oh, I have on. to. And I'd be, believe it or not, I'm very much in, you know, it's, it's weird coming from a guy who's in a production business and in front of the camera all the time. But if I could live my life in silence, I'd be very happy. Um, you know, I, I have that personality type that says if we can grunt and have a whole conversation, that's perfect for me. Um, but she, she's my balance. You know, she's the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm glad to say you were with your six years before you got married. Uh, yes. So we're at the same thing. There was a point where my, my wife was saying, you know, either you do something or you don't, we were married six years to the day that we met. Um, 
And when we got engaged, everybody says, oh, she must be pregnant because we put a wedding together inside of, I think, 60 or 90, 90 days, maybe a little bit more. Same. Uh, and we said, listen, it's, we're second time around for both of us. We have kids. We don't need this long, drawn-out BS thing. Let's get it over with. We threw a kick-ass party. Everybody still talks about it. We move on. But as, as I do on my own show, I'm falling in a rabbit hole, so you got to pull me back out That's of it. Um, but, yeah, listen, you, you got to be with people who are supportive, and there's nothing that she could want that I'm not there to support her for, whatever she wants to do. Uh, and she does the same for me. And the kids get, a, you know, the middle two who are technically stepbrother and sister are as close as you can get. They're, they're legit brother and sister. Um, the little one, they both treat as their little sister. And, and the three of them have a wonderful relationship. I do have concerns over time. You know, my daughter's been with the same guy since her freshman year of college. Uh, there's a wedding in the future. I, I, I'd love be lying if I said I didn't have concerns over what's going to happen there because Paige doesn't speak to her mom. And, you know, while she may have a right to be there in her eyes, I'm not one for drama and hostility and all the other stuff. I've really learned to Zen out over the last 20 right. years. Um, and that's been good for me. You know, I take, I take more care of my mental health and my own self-awareness than I do anything else. And that was probably the greatest lesson I got out of my divorce. You think you'd reach out to her, try to mend the fences before the wedding? Uh, if I don't want to say if my back were put up against the wall, if it were what my daughter wanted, you know, it's, it's when the day comes and clay, if you're listening, I'd like it to be sooner rather than later, but that's uh, again, conversation for another day. If it were what my daughter wanted, I would do anything for her. Um, I don't know. It might be petty of me to say, no, I'd rather keep it low key and just let her find out at a later date. Um, because just like my relationship with my son, I believe my ex made a decision on her relationship with my daughter. Uh, and she still does blame my daughter for a lot and a lot of people for a lot of things. Um, so I don't, I don't know if it makes me less of a person in the eyes of anybody who's listening. I'm okay with that. But I, I don't think I'd stir that pot, to be honest right. with you, unless somebody asked me to, in which case I'm all in. I'm willing to do it. But if, if it were just my own choice, I'd probably say no. And that probably is more like 98% no. Right. I got to be honest. I'm listening to myself and I'm saying, no, I'd, I'd, personally, I'd rather not. There was, a lot, there was a lot of bad bloodshed. And why stir it back up? I get it. You know, sometimes you just got to let the sleeping dog lie. Yeah, I can respect that. How about yourself? I got nothing in. compared to this yeah, guy. I know. I, I, I'm glad we got opposite ends of yeah, the spectrum. And we we better end on a high note with Matt. And I'll just yeah. kind of ride off into the sunset because yeah. I'm dragging everybody down. That's all good. I, <laughs> yeah. That's why we have tequila here. Exactly. <laughs> um, how, just how have you always, uh, you know, even through the pandemic? So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, everybody loves LB Social. <laughs> I hope so. And yep. Uh, I highly recommend to the audience to, if you haven't, I, I'm assuming most people that are listening to this, especially from Long Island, know LB Social. But if they, for some reason, don't, please come check it out. Um, you know, God forbid we come here and uh, uh, Christina doesn't get the uh, chicken dumplings. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big fan of the salmon, but I digress. Um, what a shameless plug. Yeah, what shameless. I'm all about so, the college and Andouille to start, so. So, um, talk to me about how, like, how you were able to, like, I, you know, I talk to clients and yes. friends in the industry. Um, you're, you're obviously a, an 
super positive person that has to have translated into your success as a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I mean, I think it's one year ago to the day, right? When. Yeah, like the 13th. I think. Yeah, right, when, we're, like, right, we're right there within a matter of minutes. The, I think. The, the, this was like the day, I think, where everybody started sensing that like things were going to start to shut down. Right. Um, nobody knew. Right? I mean, we were discussing it earlier. I mean, you know, a year ago today, you know. Nobody had any idea. Um, you know, we knew we had I, we, I, however you want to put it. I knew I, I knew I had to transition quickly if we were going to, how, how we were going to transition the business, right? I never did, and again, shameless plug, sorry. I had never done takeout and delivery. As a matter of fact, I dissuaded it prior because it's such a small restaurant. The kitchen would get completely inundated, and I didn't want to distract from the customers that were eating inside by sending out a few takeout meals. I didn't think that my food worked well for takeout, you know? A little bit of an ego thing, you know? I don't want my food in a bag to being right. taken out. Um, you know, the staff transitioned really well. They took, they, you know, they, they took the direction. Um, we had a gift of having a window in the front of the restaurant. Um, we're at the point where people didn't want to even come inside. And, um, you know, we started changing up the menu and changing up some food ideas. And, uh, you know, we did what we had to do to, to make the, the transition. We were blessed by a wonderful, supportive community which when you talk about community, I mean, I've never seen a community like the Long Beach community. I was in Huntington for 18 years with my last business, you know, as an employee and as a business owner. Um, never anything like this in Huntington. There was never this feel of, of local community. I mean, I remember when I first came here in 2015, you know, people used to say, are you from Long Beach? And I would say, no, why does it matter? You know, and then after a while it became, well, you know, my, my, my family lives in Lido. And then it was like, oh, really? Where do they live? Yeah. You know? And all of a sudden it became this whole thing. And, you know, then, then all of a sudden it clicked to me. Like, this is a town where, you know, if, if you're liked and respected, you're good, you know? But if you're trying to operate a small business in this town and you're not getting along with the town, you know, PTA comes in and asks for a gift certificate. You say, how many would you like? Right. You know, the church or the synagogue comes in and says, we need a donation. You say, how much would you like? You know, and before you know it, you know, you, you've built this, this, this whole community. You, you thing built an incredible here. ecosystem and it, it, it's, I, I love it because I love watching it. You know, you, you and I have become friends over the last couple of years and, and I know you, you didn't like to hear me saying it when it first started, but when you started doing the takeout thing, I, I praised how well they did it. I, I and I'll maybe embarrass him a little bit, but Matt's one of the most innovative people I've known. I, I suffered. Through, Far from it. I, I, I suffered through. Lucky. Hey, listen, Lux, what's, what do they say? Luck is the residue of hard work. Um, you know, I owned a restaurant for three years. I tell everybody, I know, don't ever do that unless you started at a very young age. It took me two and a half years to open, three years to shut it down. Uh, but I watched what, what he did here when they started. And the guy just gets it. He pivoted. He started making simple family meals, yep. insanely high quality. I travel, you know, it's during dinner hours. It takes me 30, 35 minutes to get here. I order takeout from here at least once a month. 
uh, a, because I love to support a great guy and a great businessman. And he gets a free bourbon when he shows up for his pickup. And I never once ask for it, but I always appreciate it. He just brings it to the door. I don't ask, you know, who am I to say no? But, you know, and I think that's you know, just take this all full circle. You, you have to have an open mind and a creativity uh, and, and the humility to, to say what I'm doing today doesn't work. When a year ago happened, my industry in the real estate side was completely shut down. Panic was set into the entire hospitality industry. I still think hospitality is the leading cause of unemployment in this country right now. If you look at the numbers, I'm guessing the biggest percentage of any industry comes from hospitality. Most likely, I haven't Most studied likely. the numbers, but it would make sense. Uh, you know, if you can only operate at 35% capacity, you need a lot less employees to do that, unfortunately. Guys like guys like Matt and a handful of others, they paid their people from day one, and sure. they took the hit. So I'll get off the, I'll get off the Matt bandwagon for a minute. I don't want to embarrass him no, too much. No, I think, I, I think this really does sum it up. The innovation is, and for both of you, is the positive attitude. Yep. And if you pay it forward, it's, you're going to reap the benefits. And that's true in everything whether it's business, uh, personal, and um, I, both uh, have benefited. And I understand you're dealing with challenges. Of team, course. But that shit, I think, will shake itself out because of your positive, you know, outlook. And, Matt, you're, you're seeing the rewards, uh, you know, immensely on both sides. So uh, I commend you. I thank you for doing this. Um, this has uh, really been a great experience. So thank you so much. There is one last thing before we close this out. Before I answer the phone? You can, you can answer. All right, great. Uh, you answer, uh, I'll start. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you know this. I always end all my podcasts uh, with the sneaker question. I'm a sneaker guy. Tell me. I know the answer, but what's your favorite sneaker? All right. Now, if you follow my personal Instagram page, you'll know this. My all-time favorite sneaker was the Clyde by Spalding. Oh. The, the blue suede with the white wings was my nice. favorite sneaker ever. And it was because it was the first real pair of sneakers I ever got. I lived in dollar bin sneakers until I was probably 13 or 14 years old. Mom and dad did buy me reasonably decent cleats when I turned 13. Uh, because what sport were you playing? Uh, most f football, football, I, I wore football cleats for everything. I was, a, I was a nose guard and a center on a football field. I was a catcher on the baseball field, but I wore football linemen, high ankle brace yeah. cleats under my shin guards. I was never great, but I loved, I loved it. I was the guy who loved to practice and hated game day. Cause you only got 60 minutes on the field on a Saturday, so uh, but practice, you got to beat the hell out of each other. And it was great. Um, but I've never been a sneakerhead. You know, it's I, ironically my oldest guy. That was the business last last I spoke to him. That was the business he was in. He was flipping and trading sneakers for probably seven, oh, wow. eight years. Yeah. Um, and I know it's a, it's a huge business. Um, but, you know, I've never been an Air Jordan guy. Never right. owned a pair, never wore a pair. I look at the Nike Airs and I've got I've got extremely wide feet. I sure. can't fit into them. Yeah. But, you know, for a guy who wears a nine and a half, I'd buy have to buy an 11 with the Nike Airs. But. Yeah, those Clydes were my favorites. I still to this day remember them. That's so funny. Yeah. Cool. We'll pause and wait for Matt. Sounds good. Pause for editing. That it snap. <laughs> do you ever snap when you're on camera? No, why? Okay, because they hate it. Is that right? I do it all the time. I catch myself all the time. Like, stop. Why? Because of the sound in yes. the ear? It spikes the audio. Come on in. We're just trying to keep everybody on their toes.
Anything else you want to cover or are you good? You're good. What time is All it? All right. I don't know. All right, Matt. What did I miss? I missed yeah. the happy ending. He's so the- good, yeah, exactly. Oh man, story <laughs> of my life. Don't edit that line out. Story gonna, of my that's life. That's a soundbite right there. So the happy ending is in all of my podcasts. Actually, I'm a sneaker guy, so I ask all my guests, yeah, what their favorite sneaker is. And if you don't have one, you don't have one. Uh, I'm a Skechers guy. Okay, I buy three pairs at a time. Okay, yeah. Same Why? colors. Are you like into these like three hundred dollar Nikes? Sometimes, I, like I'm not the guy like your son who sells them and puts them in the closet. Yeah. I like uh, I like wearing my sneakers. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm a retro one guy. Um, what is that? It's the the fir- the original uh, Air Jordan. Oh, okay. Number one, he has is like twenty something reiterations of. I got a guy Jordan. you got to meet. He actually came in our studio. I know him. He Femme. got he. Yeah. Like my son, my older son likes uh, some of the hard sneakers to get. Yep. So uh, hmm. Femi was the guy we had to He's call. He's got to some go hooks. I'm more of a sneaker it. shoe guy. I get it. That, well, that's very popular. Sneaker shoe yeah. guy. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having us. You're I welcome. really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for doing. Listen, this was a new experience for me too. I'm glad you opened my eyes to something new. And now we get to now we get to hound this guy after we're done with a great meal. Sounds good. Thanks, boys. Thank, Thank you. you.